From Studio A in Podcast Village, Upper Georgetown, Washington, D.C., this is the best political talk show you've never heard of. It's Backroom Politics with your host and moderator, Justin Russell. Hello out there in Radio Land. It is the best podcast that you've never downloaded, the best radio show you've never heard of. It is Backroom Politics. Uh, we are here inside Studio A. Joining me inside Studio A is the former Undersecretary of Commerce for International Trade. He is the one we know as Alan Moore. Hello, Alan. Hello, Justin. And directly across from me, he is the former political... What is that, Dan? That's Isaac dancing in his crib. Oh, okay. He is the former political. (laughs) He's a former political advisor to the Biden campaign and a lawyer and father of the happiest baby ever. I guess so. Dan Lipner joining us from an undisclosed location in the Bay State of Massachusetts. He is the author of such great books as American Politics on the Rocks. He is Rich Rubino. Hello, Richard. Hello, Justin. And, of course, we've got uh, Rob the Engineer behind the glass keeping us honest and our host and proprietor here, Charlie Bernie, actually doing Rob the Engineer work. So that's that's kind of awesome. Hey, uh, case you haven't noticed, with everything going on. The Nationals going to the World Series? Well, yeah, we're hopeful. We're hopeful. For those of you who are trying to get the inside joke, we record these on Tuesday afternoons. As of right now, we are entering game four tonight. So by the time you hear this podcast, you're probably going to be either, wow, we messed that up, or we are really going to the World Series. Uh, In case you haven't noticed, with everything going on in trade and everything going on in the tragedy in uh, Kurdistan and Syria and Turkey and everything else going on, there's an impeachment inquiry going on, too. And just when you think anything couldn't get more bizarre, they do. Uh, it is, this is a comedy of errors. Are, are you I, talking about the hand grenade in the room? Not yet. No, we're going to get to that. <laughs> we're going to get to that because, I mean, we're going to talk about hand grenades and drug deals and all kinds of stuff. But here's what I want to do is I, I, I have to ask this question because I'm, I'm seriously, seriously trying to figure this out. Last week, uh, the president's outside counsel uh, had been talking about his role in going to Ukraine, et cetera, and gave an interview to the New York Times. In that interview, which was published uh, last Friday, Rudy Giuliani basically said, I did nothing illegal because the president told me to do this. As a lawyer, Dan Lipner. Well, which did, this which, which action are we talking about well, here? Well, he, in that case, he was talking about going to the Ukraine and forcing the hand in pushing the Biden question. Here's my question: Is did did Rudy Giuliani just put the president possibly at the top of a scheme, if not a conspiracy, regarding all of this in an article to the New York Times? Um, I mean, there are so many things at play there, and it's hard to narrow it just to that item, since uh, there's the illegal campaign contributions from uh, Rudy's, Rudy's buddies, who's one of them also has quite possibly the worst name for a business ever. This has to go down the annals. What is it, Dan Lipner? 
uh, I, be- I, I believe it's, it's called corruption guarantee no, no, no. or, or it's, it's fraud, <laughs> well, fraud guarantee. guarantee. Fraud, fraud guarantee. guarantee. Um, I actually had to look up what they did, and I, I still was like, "Oh my god!" Um, the uh, and the uh, g- getting caught uh, with a fraudulent gas company that no would. Uh, they were shocked that somebody looked to see if they existed and well sold gas. So, uh, so here's what I we mean. Do. It, let me run down the highlights of last week. Rudy on the hook for possibly being yet again another Trump insider not registering as a as a foreign I mean, agent. Another person to go down for fair violations. Here's the so here's what's happened in the past week. Just as a recap, uh, House Democrats are coming. House Democrats and Republicans are coming back uh, to Washington after a uh, two week recess. They are in. They are literally putting their foot on the gas pedal on this impeachment inquiry. Several subpoenas have been issued. There are several hearings going on. We've heard already from several key uh, diplomatic. Uh, well, the, 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 those the, who the, the, fi- the fired Ukrainian ambassador. ambassador. Her the the words that she released for from her opening statement are something that everyone should be attentive to because they truly represented what we would like, not just those in the Foreign Service to represent, but what we would like everyone in the United States Civil Service to represent, that these are folks really working for the interests of their country. And she she was front and center, and she that assuming she has behaved as she, with the words that she wrote, she she comes across as a hero. Um, it was very impressive, and she's not a partisan. She's represented both Democrat and Republican administrations. So here's here's the question: Is Alan Moore? We're we're starting to see more and more people that. The president and the State Department, by the way, have said we're never going to cooperate. We're never going to testify. These are people that are either defying the secretary of state's order not to testify or are resigning and then testifying. Uh, That's not what the ambassador did. The ambassador, no, no, the, that, that was awesome what she did. The the ambassador, well, the, the, the former ambassador uh, Yanukovych from the, the Ukraine, the one who was ousted, she just basically sit, walked in. And handed a statement out to media, and then testified in. No, not, that, not, that, that, not that's testi- not what happened. So what happened? she was initially invited to testify. The State Department said no, and then, and this is, was a very impressive move. They basically had a, a a quick draw subpoena. So they basically handed it to her. So she's like, "Oh, I've been subpoenaed. Obviously, I needed to comply," and then walked in. <laughs> so there was no time to tell her not oh, to then comply. She was given the subpoena right there. Basically, yeah, it was with it was within an hour or so. But, then, but she was she had already been scheduled to appear uh, for deposition in fr- in front of uh, hearing staff in, or in front of committee staff. So it gets more and more bizarre. Uh, we've also got on here uh, uh, George Kent, the Deputy Assistant Secretary of State responsible for Ukraine. He's been summoned to testify about Rudy Giuliani's. Uh, are we reading too much, Alan Moore, into what possibly could be a smoking gun, or are these people that will tell the truth and the truth is not as exciting as what the president's opponents might think? 
Well, I, I, I think that, that how important and significant the truth is is going to be left to, uh, A, an accumulation of everything uh, on these subjects. And we don't have, we don't know everything yet. And then a question for both the, the House, which has to pass articles of impeachment, um, and a Senate, which will have to figure out what to do with those in some in, in, in a trial or or a dismissal. Um, it, it it isn't everything we're learning is troubling. Okay, everything we're learning makes this look like Keystone Cops type stuff um, with with the variation of Rudy Giuliani who's just gone totally bonkers uh, and, and off the deep end in so many different ways, um, still apparently enjoys some level of support from the president, but you just have to believe that it won't last all that long because he's d- dug so many holes for himself and his client, um, and as, as, as Dan made a quick reference, may himself have broken, broken the law on, on failure to file as a, as, a, as, a, as a foreign agent. But he is the guy, as we've said before, that seems to have been pushing the president to believe that, that inside Ukraine there is a scandal relating to, to, to Joe Biden and his Biden. son Hunter Biden waiting to emerge that could d- demolish Biden in an election were were he to be is, uh, the the opponent. Is, who, who, let me ask you this question: Who, in fact, is running international and foreign policy? Is it Mike Pompeo or is it Rudy Giuliani when it comes to Ukraine? Well, it it it, it doesn't appear that Pompeo is either in charge or all that supportive of the people who are most knowledgeable inside the State Department. He's now in a little uh, cover his backside um, uh, place. There's the National Security Council. And yesterday, Fiona Hill, who had been the Russia-Ukraine expert inside the National Security Council for quite a long time, uh, but who stepped down just before the famous phone call with the with the new president of Ukraine um, that's at the heart of all, all of this latest activity. She spent eight or nine hours yesterday uh, with in a deposition providing with committee staff her impression that that Rudy Giuliani and a couple of other appointees of the president, most particularly the uh, a man named Sondland, who who Who's the was the ambassador to the EU, ambassador to the EU, uh, uh, and uh, interestingly, Ukraine is not a member of the EU. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but but supposedly this was uh, was a was an additional assignment for him, and there was this sort of rogue group headed by Giuliani involving uh, Sondland uh, and a couple of others who were sharing information and, and leaning on uh, the the new president and the people around him of the president of Ukraine and the people around him to to initiate this investigation both of the Bidens and then also of a bizarre theory that 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 a server that was involved in 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 Hillary Clinton's notorious uh, offsite email system had somehow ended up or showed up yeah. in, in Ukraine right. but there were it was the two issues that 
that that Giuliani was pushing, persuading the president there was something there and that he, the president, was uniquely positioned to apply some pressure on the on the new president of Ukraine to get him but to initiate here's, here's these, the providing is, no useful legal advice right. but here's the or thing. protection to the president. Oh, possibly no, no, possibly but, but useful illegal advice. No, no, but, but here's the thing about this, though, is you have, you have uh, if there was any indication that there was illegal activity, and remember, Joe Biden made a statement that was called out in a New York Times article back when he was vice president about how he went over to the Ukraine, talked to the Ukrainian leadership about getting rid of this corrupt attorney general that they had. And the New York Times kind of went, uh, is that really a good idea, Mr. Vice President? Uh, if there was something there, my understanding would have been that the Department of Justice would have Brought, you know, looked. Wait, which theory are we talking about? You've conflated a few things. No, no, well, no, no. So what I'm saying is, is that Joe Biden had given a speech or given an, um, what was it, a speech or an interview, but somehow the New York Times picked up on the fact that he had stated publicly that he had gone to the Ukraine. He had talked about getting rid of this corrupt the, attorney the, general. The, the, yeah, the prosecutor right. general who, under the Ukrainian system, as I understand, is a, is a, which uh, it looks like it's what we're going to have to do here eventually, um, is this and separate separate and distinct from the prime minister. So the prime minister may not actually, or the Ukrainian president may not actually interact with the prosecutor. Um, and the former prosecutor that everyone wanted ousted, when, when I say everyone, I mean the United States and the EU, right. wanted ousted because uh, there was lots of allegations that he was corrupt and not investigating companies, including Hunter Biden. Right, but, but, but the issue was is that he went over there and directly intervened in that and this is because this is part of the argument that Joe that that the Trump supporters and Rudy Giuliani is pushing as a legal activity involving Joe Biden and Hunter Biden is that correct as far yes. as far as what they are pushing yes that's what they're pushing there is but absolutely Rudy Giuliani no- is saying that that Joe Biden did Basically, the same thing that this no. administration did. So, so Rudy, what what you're saying is exactly what Rudy is trying to sell. Right. The problem is the actual facts don't line up at all with Rudy's point. And that's where I'm getting at. So, the what he is trying to sell is the idea that and Hunter uh, actually Hunter Biden just gave an interview. On Bas- Good Morning America this Basically week, right? saying that, yeah, I was trading on my dad's name, and it's what people do in Washington, and it probably wasn't the best idea in the world. Um, a remarkably candid statement. Right. And he backed off from it, uh, backed off from those kind of activities. Right. So what Rudy's trying to sell and sell hard is the idea that the, 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 the fact that it looked improper. Now, the, it's not against the law anywhere, and if it were against the law, I mean, the there would be, there would be lots of people in Washington, D.C., lot, lots of children of important people, lots of spouses of important people that would be unemployed but the if they weren't this, trading but on no, their no, names. But the, but the optics on this are horrible. I mean, if, if the optics, it was not a bright idea, but the question is, was it illegal? Do do we want to run through the list of what spouses do in this city? Spouses, family. It's not this city. It's the Ukraine, and this is the one that's in the focus. No, no, no. no, no, I I understand. I understand. I I understand. You're trying to make this point, but but but, but no, no. I'm conceding the point that the 
the that the vice president's kid was trading on his name in the Ukraine, and that did not do anyone any favors politically, domestically. It, it did help Hunter financially, but there is no allegation or no credible allegation that that Biden did anything as a favor to his son, and there's no allegation that Hunter did anything illegal. One thing that Biden did not do for himself or his son that he might have done in light of the fact that his son was then on the board of this gas company owned by this oligarch, and we know that the vice president knew that, even though they they kind of agree that they never talked— about it in any in any meaningful depth, but that the vice president was warned about how this looked bad. The vice president had an option that he could have recused himself from dealing with Ukraine because of the appearance of a conflict. And then guess what? We could have sent Secretary of State John Kerry to the Ukraine to carry the message Which- that this prosecutor general needed to go. Which, by the way, John Kerry's son also has been brought into this No, fold. no, no. John Kerry's stepson, stepson, stepson the, I'm sorry. The, yeah. the, the, the son of the late Senator John Hines had, had, had told Hunter Biden and a third partner of theirs, it was a bad idea to get in bed with Burisma. It was a bad idea to join their board. And he felt strongly enough about it that he was going to have to sever his ties to Hunter Biden and this guy Archer, who was the third, the third, third person, who also went on the Burisma board. So, but I, I'm not saying that 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 it it even came into Biden's mind that he should recuse. I'm simply saying that there were things in retrospect. First of all, Hunter Biden had no business doing this, and the vice president had no business looking away on a country. That was that much in the focus of of U.S. policy, and that Biden is, himself was going there to send a signal oh, on behalf of the U.S., me, the Europeans, the IMF, and others. Alan, let me ask you this question: Is what Hunter Biden is Hunter Biden's position in the Ukraine with the oligarch illegal? I have no reason to believe it's illegal. And and that that has not been ele- that has not been alleged. It whether it was appropriate or not, right. whether it created all these appearances it, issues, and then there's the question of whether was it illegal in Ukraine? Was it was there anything about it that was illegal in the U.S.? Right. Dan Lipner, as an attorney, is anything that what we know is anything that Hunter Biden did considered illegal? Um, well, I'm not an expert in Ukrainian law, so I can no, only no, go based on what, I, what, I, what, federal, what I've read. Our own federal law. So, so, as far as the Ukrainian side, all evidence suggests no. As far as United States law, no. And then this is the point I was trying to make before. It, it, it's it's a challenging thing that lots of people trade on their names, and there's nothing illegal there. Now, if Joe Biden had actually overtly said, we, we're going to withhold this unless you make sure that Burisma does not get prosecuted because uh, my son's on the board. Yes, that would have been illegal for Joe Biden. Or if Hunter had asked his dad to do that, it would have been illegal. If there had been any kind of kickback in between the two, that would have been illegal. None of that happened. <laughs> so, all right, well, let me, then, ask, you, but, wait, but, let me but, ask you this question. But, but there's this issue of, of U.S. law, too. So so let's suppose, and I don't, I don't know that there's any evidence of this, but here's this problem of having our president ask a foreign head of state to investigate under their laws something that Americans are doing that might be helpful to that president's reelection. That's the the campaign law 
pr- problem that's the fundamental right. legal right. question here. So the ironically, right, which president. is the but, the reason I framed it way, the way I did because that's exactly what President Trump has done. Right. Well, and what I wanted, but I wanted to, to mention about Hunter Biden that that so far as we know, he didn't do anything illegal in Ukraine. We don't know that he did anything in illegal in the U.S., but. There's at least a possibility well, that he might have been a non-registered here. lobbyist for that is plausible. in the U.S. How, however, but that, that's a worthy point. But and this is but continuing to clarify the, dif- the con- to, and continuing to clarify the difference. The fact of the matter is so to, to Alan's point. As far if if well, they, one's if, a president, one is a civilian. Yes, that's actually, that's the big deal. Yeah, that's what everybody seems no, to no, be missing. No, 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 no. That that that's the thing. It, if there, there, Hunter Biden, if he had acted on Burisma's half in the United States, the uh, the same thing that Rudolph Giuliani might be is on the hook for for lobbying. Uh, Hunter could theoretically be on the hook for lobbying, but what the difference where the Trump issue comes into play and contrasting it with with, with Joe Biden is official acts and self interest either for yourself or family one is the president of the united states the other is a civilian if there is a no, criminal no, he's talking about no no i'm saying I'm, I'm saying Biden versus i'm saying let's compare Trump. apples to apples and what what we have no evidence that joe biden did anything to assist his son in an official capacity as vice president we have Every bit of evidence, including the president's own words, that he used his official capacity to influence the Ukraine for his campaign it is a per se violation of law. But it does appear that both Giuliani and the president believe that that and have charged that the vice president did take this action, this official action to to dealing with this prosecutor. The argument being no evidence behind it. OK, I admit but the argument being that he wanted to get rid of that guy because that guy was too hard on Burisma, his son's company. Now, there's the, no right. The, 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 the evidence supports it, the exact opposite. But 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 this is where let's let's consider continue the humor of all of this. The people that the administration have forced out of office, including the former Ukrainian ambassador, was pushed out because she wasn't playing ball with the president's plans to try and force Ukraine's hands. So all of the things that have been accused of, or the president has accused his adversaries of, his team is actually doing. We are, but on top of the fact that we are trying, we are watching an outside lawyer, outside legal counsel to the president, personal lawyer, try and direct international and foreign policy on behalf of the United States without any official capacity to do so. Which is why I'm going to say words you might never hear me say again. Why John Bolton is an American hero. (laughs) 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 He he is the steady hand on the tiller, seeing right from wrong. (laughs) As you redline redline the audio, we're going to take a break. Richard Bean, I promise I'm going to come to you first after the break. Uh, We're going to continue our impeachment 2020 uh, inquiry. This is Backroom Politics. Woke up this morning looking for my diamond jewel. 
Podcast Village, Upper Georgetown, Washington, D.C. This is the best political talk show you've never heard of. It's Backroom Politics with your host and moderator, Justin Russell. And we are back talking about impeachment inquiry, Ukraine gate, whatever you want to call it. Uh, in studio with me, Dan Lipner, Alan Moore. We got Rich Rubino on the phone. Uh, Rob the Engineer and Charlie Bernie behind the glass. Thanks, guys, for helping us out. The uh, Rich Rubino, this gets more curiouser and more curiouser. Is, the question is now that since the beginning talks of possible impeachment inquiry, and this is even going back to the Mueller investigation, it looked like that... Americans weren't really in favor of impeachment. Now, because of the uh, exposure of the Ukrainian situation, we're seeing those numbers of, uh, you know, a, a, a slight majority of Americans are not only calling for an impeachment inquiry, but they're calling for impeachment and possible removal. I go back and I look at, like, Bill Clinton there wasn't that kind of fervor that we're seeing now. No, with Bill Clinton, the impeachment was actually a blessing for him electorally because he was at about 60% right around the time Monica Lewinsky's scandal broke, and his job approval actually went up to about 78%, which is a record high, not because he had done something within those intervening weeks, but because the American people were saying essentially, no, the economy's doing good, we're more concerned about the Dow Jones than we are Paula Jones. And essentially, there, essentially, it actually worked to his benefit. You know, in the, in the 1998 midterm elections, the Democrats picked up five seats. That was the first time a political party has picked up seats in a midterm election in their sixth year of presidency. 
since James Monroe in 1820. So it's completely different. What's going on with Donald Trump is more similar to what's going on to Richard, with Richard Nixon. You know, Nixon got elected, got reelected in 1972, won 49 states, um, had a 68% job approval at the beginning of his at the beginning of his second term in 1973. Then it was kind of a death by a thousand cuts. It'd be a story would come out every day, a story would come out every day, and gradually you could see the attenuation of the president's uh, job approval ratings to the point where he had no support even among the Republican Party, and it became a liability even to conservative, you know, Democrats and conservative regions like. You know, um, John Paul Hammersmith in Northwest Arkansas, West Arkansas, for example, had a uh, challenge from a young Bill Clinton for, for, who ran essentially on one issue, and that was that Richard Nixon should be impeached. So in the case of Donald Trump, you still have 85, though, to 90 percent support within the Republican Party. And that is why you see you don't see any Republicans in the United States Congress coming out and saying, you know, we should at least start an impeachment inquiry. And if they do, like Congressman Amodi in um, Nevada, you then have to backtrack and say that's not essentially what he really meant. But it's very similar to what's going on in the case of Nixon. It's not at all similar with what was going on in the case of uh, Bill Clinton. So, Alan Moore, let's look at the Democrats on this. Uh is Nancy Pelosi is Nancy Pelosi under pressure right now to get this thing moving forward, or is this something that we can let lead into 2020, or would they even be advised to let this go till after the election? There's a lot of momentum right now behind it. People are people are coming up. We we we, we talked a little earlier about the 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 continuing employees of the executive branch who were told don't go but then got subpoenaed took advantage of the subpoena there's no coordinated strategy or or group in the white house trying to figure out no war what is what's our what is our response to all of this stuff so they don't have the kind of leverage they might otherwise uh, have the, right. we we were talking about the former ambassador uh, Masha Yovanovitch um who who was pulled early and and amidst some unproved allegations that she was somehow not doing a good job representing U.S. interests um, was working and, and was bad mouthing the president um, and then he bought into that and, and and trashed her in his phone call with with uh, the uh, the president of the Ukraine so she's still an employee of the State Department she's. She's got a she's fellowship. In a diplomatic she's, role. she's she's got a she she's got a fellowship at the moment, right? At Georgetown University. So, and she's she's got a long career. So it's not like they it's not like they can fire her for cause. She got subpoenaed, admittedly, you know, sort of in the moment as as Dan described, and spilled her guts. And this guy Sondland, um, who's the U.S. ambassador to the EU, he's got the subpoena. He's a he's a he's a, a, a wealthy hotel owner from Oregon who donated massive amounts of money to to Trump after bad mouthing him earlier. Got the EU to the inaugural. Job. Has, yeah. Pardon me. To, to the, the inaugural. inaugural. Well, right. To, right, right to a million bucks plus to Which the inaugural. Is a, its and, own little liability. And 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 it it got him the kind of uh, ambassadorial job that he wanted, but it put him in to some deep water that he wasn't prepared to swim right. in, and. And he's now trying to desperately figure out how to salvage not only his reputation, 
But interestingly, the reputation of his chain of very successful boutique hotels against which already some boycott movements have begun right. in, 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 in the Northwest <laughs> where he has some of these. No, didn't think like, about that one. Whoa. There, uh, let, there's, let, there's, there's financial risk here. Yeah, Wait till the president's out of office right, and we'll see what the, what, what the, 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 the Trump haters have to really say about Trump properties. Right. So, Dan Lipner, uh, Adam Schiff seems to be, by all accounts, running management of this in the House side. Uh, is he the right pick for this? Of the choices we have at the moment, which were uh, Nadler, Schiff, and um, and Elijah Cummings. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, he, he's he hand, handled it uh, himself publicly with a great deal of dignity. Um also correctly handling the, the with caution the 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 information of of the about the whistleblower and to some extent he's not taking the bait um uh so the the milkman used to be the 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 issue uh for the great defender of ridiculousness in the house now it's Jim Jordan, and he looks like a crazy man by comparison. Um, I, mean, I mean, seriously, Jim Jordan is I- I- ignoring every new bit of information that comes out because it's all horrible for the president for simply saying, yeah, the whistleblowers are still hidden. We, sh- we, we, we need to know who they are. They can't be kept secret. He's, he's not moving forward with any of the new information. And as well as some of the issues about, you know, secondhand hearsay, it's like, no, no, we have people well, in the room now. We have ask, people who- Well, let me ask you this, because what, we, what we're seeing right now is a lot of Republicans doing the whataboutism. Uh, and it seems that that's the only play they have is- what about politics run its course? Are we starting to see that Republicans are going to start looking past saying, Un- what about this? Uncharacteristically, Democrats are not taking the bait, which is truly remarkable. As a Democrat, I am looking at this in awe because generally what gets us with the whataboutism is – Instead of staying, keeping our eyes on the target, we go down the rabbit hole of craziness and lose the target. The whataboutism about, well, you know, Bill Clinton or Hillary Clinton and servers. It's like, no, no, this is about the president of the United States and what he did. <laughs> it's going so straight back ask, to the target. All right, let me ask it's you this question. It's remarkable. The Democratic Party in my lifetime has never done this. All right, so let me ask you this question. Is, is the speaker's patience paying off for Democrats leading into 2020. I believe believe there is just, I'm sure Rich might have this number off the top of his head, but of of the average of all the polls saying, a clear majority of Americans are in favor of the inquiry and a arguable close high 40% are in favor of not just the inquiry, but removal. Yeah, it's it seems like Nancy Pelosi has handled this politically perfectly. Rich Rubino? Yeah, no, completely, because, you know, she realized at the beginning when it was kind of an outlier issue um, in terms of whether they should be impeachment. I mean, she's following the poll numbers. You have a, what where it changed her mind, at least officially, is when about seven Democrats wrote an op-ed essentially saying that it was time for an inquiry for impeachment. And a lot of these were called national security Democrats. They had had national security backgrounds. 
And they mostly came from districts where Donald Trump won in 2016, where they then flipped the seat in 2018. And those are the Democrats that she knows that she needs to get reelected in 2020 in order to keep the House of Representatives. And when the polls, when these are the Democrats that are now saying we need to have an impeachment increase, she knows that it's somewhat flipping right now. And that in order to certainly to consolidate her base, but also just to kind of follow where public opinion goes, um, you know, she knows that that she knows this is the only way that she can essentially do this was to be cautious. And she knows also that the more and more, as people say, there should be an inquiry, there should be an impeachment, there should be an impeachment, more and more Democrats will agree on that. Right now we have a point where there's only about seven Democrats in the House of Representatives, with the exception of Eddie Bernice Johnson from Dallas, who's really an outlier on this. They all come from districts that are Trump districts or districts where Hillary, um, you know, barely won. And she, I mean, it all just essentially, like anything else in politics, comes down to poll numbers, poll numbers, and poll numbers. Right. And Nancy Pelosi realizes this, so it was very smart for her to be judicious, not to come out with what her constituents would probably say, which would essentially be, you know, fry him from the beginning. She realizes the politics in this, and she realizes that's the only way her party can maintain control and potentially even increase control in the House of Representatives. Alan Moore. Well, let's also remember that, that Nancy Pelosi got lucky here. Um, when she first called for the inquiry, it was a day or two before the so-called transcript, the right. account of the conversation came out. And if if the, if the White House had had said immediately, we'll put it out, then she would have held back. But she didn't hold back. And then there it was. And then the president and Giuliani began to make mistake upon mistake, change the narrative about what went on, deny, deny. And now we're in a position and and, and Pelosi decided you're say, it's going to be a narrow self-inflicted gunshot wounds. Well, it, to a significant degree, but that, I mean, look, the, the, the original <laughs> sin in this particular case was back in July in that phone call, and then there was a whistleblower report, and then there was a, this the, 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 the close um, near-transcript-like account of, of, the, of the call. If that had all come out in the beginning, it would have been a different kind of uh, uh, pathway into the inquiry. It may well have occurred, but it would have occurred in a different way because people would have had right. to, to, to try to digest uh, what it was they had. But be, it, it was out there. She made the decision to go with, with Schiff. Right. As we've been pretty hard on him, right. uh, including me, over time. And he messed up a, f- a couple of times right at the beginning when he talked about the president whose call. A lot of people agreed with, with his observation, but it was it was awkward. Uh, right. And the media didn't particularly love it, um, that that it sounded like a mafia don in a, in a negotiation. People sort of chuckled. So, but this guy's the chair of the House Intelligence Committee. Right. And he's always been talking way too much for the last two years. He and Devin, Devin Nunes were just a disastrous pair. Nunes has in, been suspiciously in, in, quiet. Well, <laughs> he's finally, got no somebody right got now. him to be quiet. And, and I think people got... Got Schiff is at least smart enough to realize when he oversteps. He also characterized the conversation as saying, "Oh, and there's seven uh, there, there there's seven references to Joe Biden." Well, there aren't. There are two. Right. Okay. So he, what he doesn't need to do is, is do what Trump was right. does, which is to exaggerate and extend. And he seems to be reining it back in let me, a bit. Let and me now we're going to hear from you know a, per, a couple more people this right. week and more people right. next week. Plenty to hear from. Two things for you, Dan. Number one, have you noticed that the president has not used the word 
collusion, Russian collusion, that that narrative has kind of gone by the wayside. Uh, is that intentional or is it just that he doesn't want to draw attention to something else that could be brought up in the inquiry? Well, considering based on the actual facts of both Russians and Ukrainians that are working with either him or Rudy Giuliani, uh, just in common parlance, he's pretty clearly colluding with Russians and Ukrainians, okay. uh, regardless of legal parlance. <laughs> there I just want to make sure I wasn't the, the only one noticing the, the, There are picture, multiple <clears throat> pictures of the president and the president's right. sons with these guys. <laughs> yeah, in Trump I, hotels. I, I wouldn't want to use the word collusion <laughs> Either what else? Because <laughs> again, common parlance without it being a legal term. Yeah. Is there, <laughs> is there a risk with the Democrats in the House pushing this? Because it, it strikes me that there is uh, almost a game clock on this one. You don't want to go into. 2020 because then it just screams of yeah. election year politics. So so I'm actually on a different position on this with a lot of people. Um, I'm on the side at a certain point politics be damned. This is just wrong. And the fact that the president is at, using the official act. The, the, at the it, risk that it could backfire immensely yes, on the Democrats. It, it is. Uh, the, the, at the level at which this is being done with holding U.S. aid for a personal project, personal political project, it's simply wrong. So if the pol- if, if it means Democrats were to lose at the ballot box, or at least losing on the side of the angels, it is simply wrong. Alan Moore, do you agree with that? Well, I, I'm I'm thinking we're going to get there. I think the I think the House really will pass some articles of impeachment. Um, I think they'll have an ample, adequate. They'll have the votes and they'll have legitimate arguments. I'm still interested to see what what continues to emerge. We, you asked about collusion. The, 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 that has not been the charge here. It's not that the president's been colluding. He's been directing. That's, that, <laughs> that's the, a big difference, right? And that's really the charge. It's and different even, when you're even, just part of a conspiracy. And even Rudy, where you're kind you're of on it. the side, you're saying, yeah, yeah, come on forward. It's like, no, do this, do yeah, that. Yeah, no, he's actually the crime boss here. And, and even, who, and even Trump or Giuliani? Even, Trump. So, no, I mean, well, he, well, Giuliani he, is he, the even, even a tweet that said, no collusion. He 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 directed it. The, ir- the irony is that the the president who notoriously doesn't listen to anybody's advice appears to be listening to of all times Rudy, Rudy Giuliani, Giuliani for his advice right. at a very very bad time in Rudy Giuliani's emotional and and intellectual development. Um, and 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 so the question will be, I, sus- I and I think that they're going to have enough in in another month. To sort of move forward with uh, this whole question, uh, because because of the reasons you talk about, they don't want this to all spill into next year if it can be avoided. Get these article, get get some narrow, specific articles of impeachment that that are the most persuasive to the most people, and then and 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 then uh, turn it over to the Senate. For them to Actually, figure out all, all those articles, what, contempt of Congress. The polling also suggests the American public believes the White House 
should cooperate. So all the refusals of all the subpoenas and the document requests, it looks like the president's also in trouble there. Well, you and well, we may it, well we may well see the intervention of the Supreme Court here if 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 they continue to resist. Well, hold on, hold on. I want, I want to, to, I want to talk about point, that. Though, right. right. I mean, I, if they if they continue to resist and they go to court. I and this president seems to b- believe. I just the president lost his, five cases one, last week. One, <laughs> yeah, one, one, of his, one of his pieces of ignorance about about how government works. He seems to think, well, I I know I've got the votes in the Supreme Court. Oh no, no. you don't. No, you don't. Well, no, no. I think the, there's a bigger question. Is going to have a big. Bill Clinton lost nine zero. Richard Nixon lost nine zero. This kind of executive, yep. right. This kind of executive authority and oversight of Congress, Cong- uh, the Supreme Court has has but had here, viewed as a moral another, absolute. Here's another question, and I think. And I think from a from a national standpoint in the election, I think if he if he goes to the court and he loses something nine oh, it'll also affect this whole yeah. dynamic of then, how the public feels. But there's and another how this legal plays. question. Yeah. Which, which, wait, 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 there's another legal question here, Dan. Is they issue the articles of impeachment, which is a political process? Can because it seems to me like Donald Trump is getting bad legal advice when he thinks that. He can just have the Supreme Court intervene on the impeachment process. Yeah, he has no idea what he's talking about. That's, just, that, that's simply not so, how that so works. Clear this up. No, simply clear this up. The impeachment and the articles of impeachment and the impeachment process is not something that will go before the Supreme Court the, for the, the, the only portion of the Supreme Court has is the Chief Justice provides, presides over the Senate during the trial. That's right. it. That's but where it ends. This is not something that is going to go in front of the justices on the bench at the Supreme Court, as this is a political process, yeah, no, not and, and, and the president also seems to not understand that the the justices, uh, hopefully representing the 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 best of the legal pro- profession, actually understand that their words and their decisions have legs. That stuff sits forever. I mean, the fact that I just referenced both Bill Clinton and Richard Nixon when their cases came before the Supreme Court, yeah, it's called precedent. <laughs> and precedent matters. And it's impossible for me. It, it, it's conceivable that one justice could go stray. It is inconceivable to me that 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 Trump could get five. It is just inconceivable that he could get five justices saying that the, that the president of the United States has that kind of absolute authority. No, I, I, I doubt that. Rich Rubino, do you concur with that? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, there is always a possibility, you know, that a Supreme Court could overturn a decision like they did in, um, you know, Plessy v. Ferguson. They eventually turned it over in um, Brown v. Board. But it's very, it's very rare, and certainly you are setting certain precedents, and certainly from you know, Clinton v. Jones and certainly Nixon versus the United States, and certainly there are some um, today. But you're right. I mean, there, there, we do set precedents from certainly previous um, cases, and, and the vast majority of the time those precedents are essentially set in stone. But there's always the possibility that you appoint new Supreme Court justices, and this is what some in the, why some in the conservative movement will never abandon Donald Trump is simply because of judges, and they know if he gets another Supreme Court justice with a conservative bent, potentially a case comes the Supreme Court that overturns Roe v. Wade, then they could, they could get exactly what they've been wanting since 1973. Alan Moore, yes or no around the horn. Alan Moore, do we see articles of impeachment in the next two weeks? No. Dan Lipner? Too soon. Uh, I think two weeks is too soon. Agreed. Uh, yeah, absolutely not. Okay. No, barring, barring a cataclysm, no. Okay. Because, I mean, is the time clock... Is, two months? Is, 
Yeah. Is the shot clock something that we need to be concerned about when this? Alan Moore. Yeah, I think that's what I say. I think within two months, we'll, we'll likely see articles of impeachment out of the House. Even though it bleeds into 2020? Even though it bleeds in. I mean, it's, it's a matter of moving it forward. I mean, the president could very well provide us something new, considering he seems to think Article 2 makes him king. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, truth be told, uh, one, uh, request for a guest. This was around the horn, but okay. Do, do we know a Federalist Society type? So for those of you who don't know, the Federalist Society is the conservative legal group that's been uh, promoting basically a conservative take on uh, reviewing the Constitution. I would love to hear a Federalist Society type who's otherwise backed uh, President Trump. I want to know what their thoughts are so, and what so the Nazis are talking about. Do me about. a favor. Send an email to our producer, eric at backroompolitics.org, and tell him to book a Federalist Society attorney who backs Trump on this. Okay. We'll interview him. We'll bring him in studio. It's, it's a great thing. They'll never find one. <laughs> <laughs> okay, with that, I'm going to let Alan Moore have the last word on that one. With that, thank you to Dan Lipner. Alan Moore, Rich Rabino up in Massachusetts. Go Nats. Uh, yeah, uh, go Nats. Uh, hopefully by the time you hear this, we've already secured our slot in the World Series. And we will have had a Democratic debate. And oh, yeah, we'll talk about that next week. We'll do, we'll do after, we'll do a uh, post-mortem on that next week. Uh, also, thank you to Charlie Burney, our, our host here. Oscar, his partner here at Podcast Village. Love you guys for being supportive. Uh, we got Rob, the engineer, as always. Thanks for keeping us cleaned up. And Eric Thomas, our producer, always appreciate all the hard work you do. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter, Facebook. You can also download us on Spreaker, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, Apple, Google. Uh, we're kind of everywhere. We're kind of a big deal now. Hey, have a great week, America. We'll see you.